calling all Enneagram type nines. They call us the peacemakers, the mediators, the harmonizers, and even the comfort-seeking, self-forgetting, conflict-avoiding, anger-repressing, people-pleasing, procrastinating, indecisive, stubborn, passive-aggressive, yet undeniably likable, sweethearts of the Enneagram who just want everyone to get along. Sound like you? Welcome to the Enneagram 9 Show, a place for type 9s who are ready to take up space in this world, to know that they matter, and to fully engage in life as the brave captain of their own ship. And bonus points if we can do this without sacrificing our naps, pajama pants, comforting routines, and alone time. If all this sounds good to you, you're in the right place, and you're not alone. I'm Kimberly Eclipse, trained counselor, professional astrologer, and everyday mentor for Type 9s. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's do this. Hello, it's me. I've been trying to make best friends and failing miserably. Oh, hey there, Type 9s. Welcome to another episode of the Enneagram 9 Show. That was my uh, little ode to Adele. Speaking of trying to make best friends, you know, last week was the first part of a conversation about friendships for nines. Um, and it was a the first in a two-part series with today's episode being the second half of that conversation. Last week, I did two things. The first thing was, call me tacky, but I basically put out like a personal ad for a new best friend and also um, a crew, my three to four person posse, you know what I mean? And the offer still half-jokingly stands, does anyone out there want to be best friends with me? Um, As a half-joke, this is what I would put into a platonic friend personal ad. I would write, in search of male or female in their 30s or 40s or, hey, 50s. Um, actually, scratch that. Some of my favorite people are in their 60s. And I also worked with a young girl in her early 20s and secretly wanted us to be best friends. But um, I just felt like I'm supposed to be supervising her and I'm 20 years older than her. Uh, so I don't know if this is normal or or healthy. Um, but anyway, let's start over. In search of male or female, um, any age, really, must love personality assessments and or all things spiritual and personal development. Major bonus points if you're a fellow entrepreneur. Must promise not to hate me for occasionally watching the Kardashians on Hulu. So that, yeah, that's all I got so far. I mean, there's so much more. There's so much more I'm looking for in a friend. Like, for example, um, do we share the same goofy sense of humor? I love toilet humor. I love anything related to body parts. Yes. So listen, guys, I'm taking all applications for new friends. No letter of recommendation needed. Just DM me on Instagram at the underscore Enneagram 9 underscore show. Um, But the second and more important thing that happened last week is that I shared the top five challenges that type nines face when navigating adult friendships. So now we've got to ask, okay, now what? We know what we struggle with the most, but what do we do now? 
So in today's episode, we're going to turn to the Enneagram and a few other helpful tips and tools to help us work through each of the five challenges that were listed last week. But before we dive into that, I need to preface all of this by saying, this conversation isn't about feeling shame around who you are as a friend or shame about what your, your friendships look like, um, what your social life looks like. I do want you to know who you are and how you roll as a nine is not something that we are trying to completely overhaul. We're just paying attention. We're paying attention to the reality of things and the reality of how we feel. You only have to change what feels worth it to you to change, and you only know what's worth it to change if you are self-aware, if you have a very good sense of how satisfied versus dissatisfied you are within your friendships and your social life. And the Enneagram obviously helps so much with that. So let's put it this way. If you had to rate your satisfaction level anywhere between 1 and 10 in terms of your friendships and social life, how would you rate it? Pick a number. I want you to right now, just 1 through 10, pick a number and hold that in your head. Okay? And then take a little more time to think about that a little bit more. Let it marinate and sit a bit more because I think so many of us are often easily content or in denial of where we're uncomfortable or, or unhappy, that number will, the first number that comes to mind might be inflated. But when you think on it more and reflect a little bit more, it might be lower than what you initially thought. And then the other thing you can do is get really specific. Think of the friend or friends you've loved most in your life and rate how satisfied you are in those relationships. You can also think of the ideal social situation that you'd like to have in your life, um, whether that's who or how many friends you want in your life, how, how close you want to feel to them. Imagine that ideal situation in your head and ask yourself, how far away does that feel from the reality of things right now? So for me, when I do this exercise, um, I realize I want to feel closer to my high school besties. I want to have occasional reunions with my college friends and the, the group I was affiliated in um, in my 20s. And I also want to have a crew or a squad that I hang out with now that I'm here in Pennsylvania. Um, I also want to have friends outside of my husband's social circle, even though I love them dearly. And the biggest challenge is I want a local best friend, if possible. I know that's a tall order because I'd say most adults my age already have their best friend. Um, but just because I have this tall order, it doesn't mean that it's impossible. As I'm saying this out loud, I, I'm, I'm, all these feelings are coming up. I want to talk about this topic in a way that feels self-compassionate, positive, and helpful. But at the same time, I will admit myself, I'm like, there is a little bit of embarrassment, shame around 
my own lack here. I don't know what it is. I think it's because most of the time we just assume friendships in life will work out. And even in like the self-help books and stuff, it's all about relation like romantic relationships. It's about, you know, the trauma from your family of origin or your relationship with your parents, whatever. There's not a lot or there's not as much out there about friendships. And yet this is such a critical topic because all the research indicates that your social network, especially friends, plays such a huge role in your level of overall life satisfaction. Um, And as I was preparing for this episode, I realized that I have so many self-sabotaging behaviors and also self-sabotaging thoughts. Like just last night, I was telling my husband, you know, he he felt like something was wrong. I came in, I was, he said, you look upset you and your vibe, you just seem upset. Meanwhile, I'm just doing the dishes and I thought I had a neutral face and was just like, you know, speaking in a neutral tone. But he said that something seemed off and I told him that I had been thinking about friendships because I'm preparing for this podcast episode. And I said, even though I always complain about not having a best friend or not having a strong group of friends here locally, when I think about it, the friends that I do have here who are just my friends and not my in my husband's social group, they're just my friends. Whenever I think of the times we've hung out, it's always been that the other person is contacting me. The other person is making plans reaching out to me, texting me, emailing me. So I asked my husband, I'm like, is this problem that I have, is it all in my head? Because I do have friends who are reaching out to me and they are always the ones, you know, reaching out to me. It's not like I'm waiting around for them and not feeling loved. (laughs) So what is going on? Is this a real problem? And then he said, I think it's half and half. I think there is, you know, a level of emptiness in your life around friends, but the other half of that story is the friends that you do have. They do want more of you and they appreciate you. So yeah, so again, it comes back to the Enneagram and what the Enneagram can show us about our self-sabotaging thoughts and and behaviors and why and how it's all tied to our core desire and our core fear and yes, just our type nine darlings, the things that we hold on to. So anyway, let's let's dive in. Let's first of all, let's rewind the tape and review each of the five challenges from last week and get into some tips and strategies to help with each one. Okay, so last week, number one, the top challenge of nines is making new friends or this is the bigger one, I would say, maintaining friendships over time, distance, or life changes. All of that requires energy that nines feel they don't have. So my tip for you here is think about what's a little bit, just the bare minimum that you can do over time that could go a long way in terms of making new friends or maintaining your friendships. I totally understand that we want to keep this simple. We want to make it feel like it's not a ton of effort. So 
My personal examples of doing this this past year are, um, you know, I started texting my college roommates a little bit and I wouldn't even say frequently, but there was like one or two times where I texted them just out of the blue to say something funny or um, here's, here's a selfie of me with COVID and oh my God, look at all this unplucked hair on my upper lip, like that kind of thing. So it wasn't even a ton of work. It was just like I thought of them and then I just sent them a random text. Um, another bare minimum thing that you can do that can help. Um, so one thing I did this year is a brunch reunion with my high school best friends and I've been texting them more as well. So this is an example of just meeting up with a group of people or with a friend and then seeing how much that helps you feel closer. Related to that, you can have a once per year gathering of some kind. So yes, this one can require some work and energy and it may require accessing that action-oriented line to type three, but you'd be surprised doing something once per year can really go a long way. So what I'm talking about here is you can plan a weekend getaway or host a catered birthday dinner for yourself or plan a potluck reunion with old friends or go to one concert per year with a particular friend. You'd be surprised how much closer you will feel with these people just by seeing them in person once a year. And yes, it requires some planning and prep, but if it's only once a year and the payoff is good, meaning, you know, there's a, a high ROI, return on investment, it goes a long way, you will really feel more tightly bonded just by this one event. So consider, consider that. Can you handle that, that amount of work with those three examples? Is it worth it to you? Do you want more in your social life than what you have now? You know, how badly do you want to see change in this area of life? Think on that. All right. The second challenge that we discussed last week was um, that nines have quirky preferences and parameters when it comes to socializing and bonding. In other words, you know, we may have preferences, very specific preferences when it comes to how we like to bond or how much we prefer to engage in social activities. You know, I think the challenge here for nines is finding people who actually share similar preferences, and that can be really tough. But also, it's about being able to clearly communicate your preferences with people up front so they're not blindsided or really disappointed by your preferences uh, every time they interact with you. In the end, it's a communication issue here, and if that's the case, it is solvable. So that's the good news. I have a friend who I formed an awesome friendship with um, when we were working together at the same day job, and he ended up resigning from the job and, and leaving the, um, the institution we worked for before I did. And he warned me that he's terrible at keeping in touch with friends. So I wasn't, at, I wasn't that hurt when he actually did end up being terrible. <laughs> at keeping in touch with me. It, it stung a little bit, but again, I kept remembering what he said and how he had warned me that this is how he rolls, so I didn't take it too personally. 
Um, so I did appreciate it that he was the one who just kind of initiated this conversation around what the friendship might look like with him after he was gone. And then when we were able to actually have an in-person surprise group hangout, um, he said that I was the best part of the surprise. So that made me feel so nice. Um, and you can think of it like this too. Access your eight wing and be upfront with who you are, what you prefer, and also set expectations accordingly. Now, let's just say your friends are really just not cool with your preferences and patterns. They have a hard time imagining themselves continuing in that way, and it's affecting your relationship. If that's the case, it's time to return to some of the tips I shared earlier, which are number one, how satisfied are you in this friendship, in this relationship where your friends are disappointed but still wanting to be friends or not with you? And number two, what's the bare minimum that you could do effort-wise that would somehow meet in the middle or show them how much you care? Okay, let's move on to the next challenge for nines. And that is simply put boundary issues. So here we're talking about avoiding conflict at all costs with people ghosting friends uh, when friction does happen. And then also merging and then having a friendship that feels unbalanced because of all the merging you've done. um, So that it's at the point where It's focused so much on the other person's interests or lives and not as much on you. So this is another case of accessing that eight wing. You know, eights don't feel threatened by conflict, as many of you already know. In fact, they oftentimes feel energized by it or they feel that it brings them closer to people. It's all about engaging fully no matter what that looks like. I think that's what it boils down to for us. You know, I had an eight coworker who I just had a terrible, terrible relationship with her. It was bad. And if I had to go back in time, I think she would have respected me a lot more. And um, I probably would have felt a lot more confident and happier on the job if I was just upfront and honest when bad stuff went down, which isn't easy. And I'm not normally that way. Um, and even just thinking about it makes me ugh, like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Ugh. But if I treated her that way, I know that things would have been better because with the Enneagram, it helps me understand how eights like to be treated. So instead of being afraid to interact with her and kind of avoid her, I could have just said how I felt and she would have respected me for it and trusted me more. I think I lost her trust by running away and the whole situation would have just been so much better for the both of us if I had stopped hiding. So let's take this and apply it to friendships that we're where we're uh, avoiding conversations or we're biting our tongue, where we're falling into the background and when we're not feeling or not being honest about how we feel. My challenge to you is to say how you feel just a little bit. Just try it and see what happens. I've been doing a lot of this in my relationships this past year or two as I work with the Enneagram. And let me tell you, each time I did it, I did not die. 
And the reactions I got just added so much richness to these relationships. It was actually surprising. The way that people reacted to my opening up about hard stuff, ugly stuff, things that made me upset. Their reactions were so different from how I thought they would react and different from how I feared they'd react. So I encourage you to give it a try because you too might be surprised, Um, surprised at the reactions and then surprised at what happens as a result of their reactions and the potential closeness that conflict and honesty and engagement can bring. Okay, now moving on to, I'm actually combining the last two friendship challenges together because they're kind of related. So these challenges are insecurities around our personality or social skills. Um, So that's like not being great at putting ourselves out there and opening up. And then the other challenge is feeling inherently inadequate, insignificant, or unlovable. I mean, this one goes deep, right? This one can involve childhood experiences Um, family of origin, or maybe even trauma. So if this is you, if you have had a hard time opening up and forming deep relationships, or if you feel like you have nothing to offer, or if you feel like you're not interesting enough or likable or lovable, or if you're just stuck in the background, there's a lot going on here under the surface. There's something you're not seeing about yourself because life experiences along the way either hurt or traumatized you. And I know this because while it's human to feel insecure at times, of course, we live in an imperfect world with very imperfect people influencing us. You know, it's not the natural order of things to feel like we are not important or not special or we do not matter. Look at all the things in nature. No creature or tree or flower or or river or mountain or star in the sky would ever and should ever question its importance or significance or role in the natural order of things. And if a flower somehow learns that or not or was told somehow that it was not the right color and that maybe it should go off and be replanted in a sandbox away from other flowers, you'd be like, who the F told this beautiful flower not to bloom? Who told you you're not the right color, right? It just seems like, yeah, I you get that on an intuitive level when you look at nature. So what I want to say here is you, dear nine, it is part of your birthright as a human being, to know and experience wholeness and to recognize your own goodness and worth, to recognize that you deserve to be here. Even if it doesn't seem like you get that message in the way that you'd like to receive that message, it's still true. Um, I will share a technique now that you might find helpful. Um, This is not related to the Enneagram, but like the Enneagram, Anyone can use it to improve an area of their life. So there are a few self-coaching questions you could ask yourself when you're feeling like a background friend or like someone who shouldn't or can't open up 
or if you're feeling like someone who feels like they don't have anything to offer and that's why your friendships and social life are dissatisfying. And here are the questions. P.S. I'm borrowing a page from Byron Katie's book here. So question number one is, is what you're thinking true? Is what you're thinking about yourself or your friendships true? Be still and ask yourself if the thought that you have nothing to offer, that you're unlovable, that you're stuck in the background, that you can't be yourself, is that true? Question number two is, can you absolutely know that it is true? This is an opportunity to go deeper and to find the answers that live beneath what we think we know. It's a chance to move beyond our biggest fears and explore the bigger truth of the situation. Question number three, how do you react In other words, what happens when you believe that thought, the thought that you're in the background, that people don't like you, that it's not safe to open up, how do you react when you believe those thoughts? With this question, you're noticing an internal cause and effect. What happens when you believe the thought? Does it make you not want to reach out and make plans with people? Or does it make you not share how you're feeling or even talk about yourself at all? Does it make you want to clam up? Does it make you stay home when what you really want to do is be with people? Uh, Does it make you self-sabotage? How do you treat yourself when you believe this thought? And question number four, who would you be without the thought? Imagine yourself with your friends only you don't believe the thought. How would your friendships be different if you didn't have the ability to even think that stressful thought? How would you feel? And which do you prefer? A social life with or without that thought, which feels kinder and more peaceful. Again, this self-inquiry approach or self-coaching, these self-coaching questions They're from the book, The Four Questions by Byron Katie. So check that out if you want to learn more about the full process of how to use these questions in your life. Um, Okay, so I hope that you found this helpful. I I could talk more about this. And again, as I am trying to be of help to you, I'm really trying to apply everything that I've shared to my own life. And I have started to. Basically, you know, I don't know how much progress I can make in, say, a year's time, but I'm implementing a bunch of these tactics and tips. And I think what it's helping me do is it's helping me to feel like I'm moving forward, that I'm not stuck and helpless, that I'm actually awake and doing something about how I feel in this more awake state. So, you know, it's a journey. It's a process. We don't have to figure it all out now. But again, it helps so much to know that we are moving forward. And so that's my hope for you. All right, nines, go forth and find a way to enjoy your friendships on a deeper, more satisfying level, if that's what your body, heart, and soul are craving right now. Peace out, peacemakers. 
Hey, Type 9, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found it helpful, would you be the best and leave a rating and a review? Now, you understand it's hard enough to know that as a 9, I matter. But my bigger question is, does this podcast matter to anybody out there? Anybody? Anybody? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Lastly, if you're looking for Type 9 resources, events, or services, check out Enneagram9.com. There you'll also find a link to my services as a trained counselor and professional astrologer who helps Type 9s looking for clarity and direction in any area of life. So whether you're at a crossroads in your relationships, career, or business, or you want some insight into improving your sense of mental, physical, or spiritual well-being, let's uncover your personal destiny and choose your next right steps together. See you there.